Thanks for being with us, and uh, especially if you're here for the first time, thanks for being a guest with us. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Love to meet you if uh, we haven't met yet. If you're here in the room or even watching live stream, I'd love to hear your name and hear how you made it here. And I just encourage you guys to continue to squash in. There's still people trying to make their way in and find seats, so snuggle up and uh, make some room with each other. But uh, like Joe said, we have just started a series a handful of weeks ago called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. And what we've been really been saying is we're always going to bump into forks in the road where we're going to have some big decisions to make, big life-altering decisions, not the everyday stuff. We know how to kind of pick lunch and pick our clothes out and do the basic things. We're talking about the big life-altering decisions. What college do I go to? What job do I take? I got another offer. Should I take this job and leave my current job? I'm in a situation where my marriage is struggling. Do I stay in this marriage or do I leave it? Big, huge, life-altering decisions that we're going to face in life. We're going to bump into these forks in the road. And we said, whenever we do that, we're going to feel the pressure and the weight of those decisions because we know that we can't quite see the future, right? We don't have access to the future. So we don't know which road is going to lead me to a better path, a better life, uh, a wiser way maybe that I might choose. And so we feel that personally. We know that we want to have kind of the most impactful peaceful life that we can have, and so we want to choose well. I think even maybe a bigger reason that we might feel the weight of that is we know that our decisions are going to affect the people around us. If we have kids or if you have friends or you have people in your life, when you look at a decision like maybe moving out of the area or taking a job that will change your life or moving to a different college, relationships are going to be disrupted by those decisions in a huge way. And so we feel the weight of these. And we know that they kind of bear down on us. And we said, what do you do when you're in a situation like that? How do you face it? And how do you know that you can walk away with a decision that is wise and will lead me to a place that I would want to be in life? And so we just started this off just a handful of weeks ago. Pastor Jeff really began to kick us off. And he laid down some foundational principles or premises that we could work with. And one of the things that he talked about first was the will of God. And if you grew up in church, you may have heard that phrase or that statement, the will of God. And kind of that, that idea is built around some concepts. We know that God knows the future, right? He designed all of that. We know that God wants to have, he has a plan for our lives. And so we, we tend to think, how do I have access to that? If God has a plan for my life, what is it? I want to know the will of God. And a lot of times we're going to think of that as God showing us the details of that plan. Choose this job over that one, right? Go this way instead of that way. Go to this college or that one. And Pastor Jeff laid it down. He said, that's not really how it works. How it works is this. He said, the the will of God is not a code to be deciphered. It's a relationship to be delved into. The will of God, what God wants, the mind of God, the heart of God is knowing him. And as I know him in a personal and a real way, I'm going to start to understand what he values. I'm going to start to understand what's important to him, right? What breaks his heart, what causes him to rejoice or celebrate. And as I know God more, I'm going to start to have a greater level of clarity about how I can make decisions, right? So so it's not a code to be deciphered. It's a relationship to be delved into. And another big piece that he laid down was this. He said, the will of God is not so much a what question, it's a who question question, right? So I'm looking to make decisions. God is far less concerned about if I work at this bank or that bank, or if I go to college at this university or that university, what he is looking for is for me to become a certain kind of person, 
to be transformed and changed from the inside out and to look more and more and like the person of Jesus, to think like, talk like, act like, and be motivated like Jesus Christ. And so that's what he's looking for. It's a who question. And so off kind of those premises, we began to dive in over the last week or so. Last week, we really looked at what it meant to know God. How do I get to know God in a personal and a real way? And as I begin to work on that relationship, as I know God more and more, kind of get that relationship humming. So we said we were going to use the Bible. We're going to listen to God's voice. We're going to speak back our heart and kind of our passions to God, communicate with Him. And then we want to respond to who He is and act on God's behalf, right? We said, as I know God, that's going to take care and clarify an enormous amount of decisions, Tons of decisions get real clear, real fast when I know God, when I read the Bible, when I pray, that's going to clarify for me all kinds of things as I start to understand more and more of who God is and what God wants. But we said we're going to take it a level deeper today and and kind of advance the conversation, and we're going to dive into a conversation about wise Councils. We'll unpack that today. But even, even before we start talking about that, I would just encourage you, if you missed either of those conversations, highly encourage you to catch those online, especially in this series. If you're in a place where you are trying to figure out, what do I do? I don't know what to do. How do I make these big decisions? I would highly encourage you to take this series as a whole, to not take one individual conversation and kind of run with that one and make your decision, but to take kind of these four weeks together. And if you catch it all, get caught up, and make sure if you need to miss one, take that all together, and you will have a great grid to make decisions through, okay? So let's get caught up online. We're going to take it into the next piece today, which is seeking wise counsel, really leaning into the people around us that have wisdom. How do I take advantage of that? How do I tap into people that that know more, see more, see a different perspective than I might see, and maximize the wisdom of my choices. That's what we're going to have a conversation about. And I don't know if you guys have have ever done this. Have you ever been in a situation or made a decision where you really didn't seek counsel? Maybe you just kind of really wanted to do something, and you said, you know, I'm going to do it. And that ended up being a really bad decision. Or maybe it was a good decision that was implemented like really poorly, and it was a rocky process, and it just kind of hurt, right? If you've ever done that before, you didn't seek wise counsel, you know how painful it can be to go through something like that. Back back when I was a kid, when I was a, a student in high school, man, we had this huge tree fall in my yard, huge oak tree, you know, and it fell in this big storm. And I was thinking back about this the other day. This huge tree fell, and my stepdad looked at this big tree, and he's like, you know what? We're going to cut this tree up, and we're going to get a wood-burning stove. And I was like, what is a wood-burning stove? This is fascinating. He's like, it is a box that you put in your house, and you put a fire in it, and it heats your house. I was like, fascinating. (laughs) Sounds great. Fire. I'm in, right? And so he's like, okay, son, here's what I want you to do hands me this splitting mall, teaches me how to split wood. And so I spent that summer splitting wood, right? And I was like, this is amazing. I want to get a good workout. I'm splitting wood, kind of start to fall in love with the process. We burn wood all throughout my high school years. My friends loved it. It was like a sauna all year round in my, right, in my house. And I, would, I made a kind of a commitment to myself. I said, when I grow up and I get my own house, I will have a wood-burning stove in my house, and it's going to be amazing, right? So our first house 
We couldn't quite pull off getting the wood range stove. We bought a house in Kenmore. I was like, I'm not sure the city will allow this, right? So the next house we bought, we were able to put a wood brain stove in. We bought a house in Mineral Falls, kind of a little bit more in the country. And I'm like, it's time. The time has come for me to find and purchase my wood burning stove. And man, I was fully committed. My dreams were about to come true. Right? So I think we were there for about two or three weeks. I ordered this thing online. And this is the most brilliant part of this entire story. I asked absolutely zero people for any feedback, input, or wise counsel on how to do this. I was doing it no matter what, right? I'm getting my wood-burning stove as fast as I possibly can, and it's going to be awesome, right? It's going to be amazing. So it comes in, and I'll show you a picture of it. We'll see what it looks like. Oh, it's beautiful. Some of you have seen this picture before. I don't really care because there's some of you in the room that haven't seen it. It's important to me that every human being sees my wood-burning stove. Glorious. It's beautiful, right? So that's what it looks like. When we first put it in, though, right, when we got it in the house, I arranged it, you insert it into an existing fireplace, like, hole, right? You put it in this little slot, and, and I'm like, all right, here we go, right? It's in the chimney. The smoke's going to go right up there. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to make my fire, and so I start a little fire in there, and as I start the fire, I notice there's a little bit of smoke that starts to come out of the front of this wood-burning stove, and I think, that's weird, I don't really remember there being smoke coming out of the front when I was a, a kid growing up burning, but I thought maybe it's just because it's new, right? Like maybe I just got to break it in and it'll adjust itself, right? So I get that fire going. I'm like, dream accomplished. I have my wood-burning stove. My fire is in the box and heat will come. It's going to be amazing. So I walk out of the room for a little bit. I got a couple little kids at the time and Lori's in the living room and I walk out of there, fire burning in the box. About a minute or two later, I hear Lori call to me. She goes, "Hun, hey, hey honey, can you come here now? I was like, that's not good. Right, like something is not going well. Walk back into the living room, and there's like this cloud of smoke in my living room. I'm like, honey, are you here? I can't see you. Save the children, right, Ron? Oh, so I find out here's the problem. You're supposed to, if I would have got wise counsel, what I would have learned is that you're supposed to buy a pipe that goes on the back of the thing and goes up the chimney, creates a vacuum, and sucks all the smoke out of there, right? But Ryan is not wise enough to do that. I didn't want wisdom. I wanted my wood-burning stove, and I wanted it now at any cost, right? So how do we not do that? How do I not ramrod my agenda forward, burn my house down, and harm my family in the process? Right? We all want to avoid that outcome. That's the question. Here's what I was lacking. I was lacking a desire for wisdom. And the Proverbs are going to talk about this. I love this verse. So simple. Here's what they would say. The, the beginning of wisdom is this. Simple. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. At any price, the price of my pride, the price of slowing myself down, I need to get wisdom. When I'm facing a decision, when I don't know what to do. What I need to do is slow down and find a place in my heart that looks for and seeks wisdom. I want to get it. I want to find it. And some of you might be hearing this and you might be thinking to yourself, well, when you say wisdom, like what do you mean by that? 
Because if I'm going to seek wise counsel, if I'm going to seek wisdom, I'm going to ask some people in my life for input or advice. If I asked everybody around me what to do about any given decision, I would get a hundred different answers. How do I know what's actually wisdom? That's a great question. That's a great question. Right? There's different kinds of wisdom, for sure. And we're going to look at a couple of those today. But the thing I want to do is, right, as I get wisdom, I want to find the right wisdom. I want to find the right wisdom because there are other kinds of quote-unquote wisdom that exist in the world, and those will not help me. They will not lead me to the place of life and encouragement that I want to land at. So let's break this down a little bit. What do we mean by different kinds of wisdom? Here's one that would show up. We're going to call it worldly wisdom, okay, worldly wisdom. And here's the definition of worldly wisdom that I would kind of get you. This is my definition Worldly wisdom is an approach to life that deletes God from reality. It's an approach to life that deletes God from reality. So if I'm going to look at life and I'm going to say there is no God, then it's going to make all kinds of sense to approach life in a specific way. It's going to make all kinds of life to live for myself and to get the most out of this life that I can because I don't know if it's going to carry on past the day that I die. So, of course, I should, right, I should do me, right? You do you, I do me, right? I'm going to live and get everything that I can out of life. If I want something, I'm going to go after it. If every dream is not fulfilled, I'm going to think I'm going to have all kinds of regrets. There's a worldly wisdom. It, it's magazine covers and blog posts, and there's stuff all over the place and we could find worldly wisdom all over. And it, listen, it makes all kinds of sense. If I'm in a place and I don't believe in God, of course worldly wisdom is going to be my approach, right? I, I lived the, the majority of my life as a, a young adult and a student engaging in worldly wisdom. It's what would make sense because I didn't believe in God, didn't think that he existed. So I'm going to operate down that road. Say, well, what's the other kind of wisdom? If there's a worldly wisdom, there's another kind of wisdom. It's called godly wisdom. Godly wisdom, again, this is my definition, is an approach to life that recognizes that God is real, that eternity exists, that love is central, and that each person will give an account to God for our choices. Right, we're going to give an account to God for our choices. So this is kind of a loaded definition. This definition of wisdom, it says um, it's going to be a different approach to life. Right? If we put God back into the equation, if we say that God is real, that he loves me, that he has all the power and all the knowledge that's available to us in the universe, right? if he is real God, that changes things. Right? That means that there's a way that life can be and even should be approached because he's the one that invented it. If he is my creator and he invented my body and my life and has a plan for me, all of a sudden the whole game's changed. If eternity exists, the whole game changes, right? If hell is real and heaven is real, all of a sudden it changes the framework of how I'm going to approach this life. If heaven's real, I don't have to work so hard to try to make heaven on earth, because this life's not about making heaven on earth. This, this life is about helping people not find their way into hell and helping people find their way into heaven. All of a sudden, the entire framework is moved on me, right? If love is central, right? If I know now what it means to be loved because God has loved me, here at Grace, we believe that you don't get to heaven by anything good that you do. 
And we don't believe that. We believe that God loved us enough that He sent Jesus to the planet. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died and paid for my sin and for your sin. And then when I recognize that by faith, when I say, I want you to pay for my sin, I receive the forgiveness, Jesus, that you died to give me, what happens is I become right with God. And there's nothing that I could do to make God love me more, and there's nothing that I could do to make him love me less. God and I are at peace with one another because of what Jesus did, not because of what I do. That is the essence of love. He's offering me a gift that I could never earn and could never repay. And so now the rest of my life is spent saying thank you back to God in love. I respond back to God as an act of worship saying, thank you for what you've done. I now know what it means to be loved, and so I love back in return. Love becomes the center point of our lives. And then this is a big one. Each person will give an account to God for our choices. This is huge. We know that we aren't saved. We aren't rescued from hell based on what we do. And there's a reality that one day I'm going to look at Jesus, my Savior, face to face. I'm going to look him in the eye and I'm going to give an account for every word that I've said, every motive that I've had, and every decision that I've made. I won't be judged on those decisions because Jesus has already given me his peace, but I've got to look him in the eye. And I'll be rewarded based on the good that I've done from God right? And I want to be able to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Godly wisdom is going to cause me to live a completely different life than worldly wisdom will, right? Two totally different approaches to life. We see this show up in the scriptures. Here, let me just read it to you. You can open your Bible if you want to. We're going to just kind of scan through chapter 3, verse 13 of the book of James. And here's what it says. Who is wise and understanding among you? It says, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Boy, humility and wisdom are always tied together. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it. Don't brag about it. Don't deny the truth. Don't pretend that you don't. It says, such quote-unquote wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and unspiritual. It says, even demonic. It says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. James is going to say, worldly wisdom, um, it makes all kinds of sense if I don't believe in God. But, but the origin of that is not God. The origin of that, right? He would even say is evil. Uh, it's, it's not true. It's not real. It won't hold up. And in the end, it will only harm me. Worldly wisdom, 17 it says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Right? Godly wisdom leads to a different kind of life, right? a life focused on love and truth and peace in our relationships. So let me give you some examples of how this might look. If I'm in a situation, maybe I'm dating somebody and it's getting serious, worldly wisdom, right? If I don't have God in the picture, it's totally going to make sense for, for me to sleep with that person, for me to live with that person, for us to approach our relationship in that way, right? Because why? You only live once and you might as well, and I got to get my test run in and make sure this thing's going to work, and right? That's how I'm going to approach it, worldly wisdom. If I'm in a relationship and I am wanting godly wisdom, I'm going to look and say, okay, 
Uh, sex is not just something that is going to be engaged casually. The Bible would say that we are joined together. We become one when we join our bodies together, right? That there's a real reason for that. That's only designed for the marriage relationship, right? And if we do that, we're going to harm each other when we rip that apart, when we break up. And be, in the very general nature of it is that it's going to be hurtful and offensive to God if I do that, right? So I'm going to approach it completely differently, godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. I'm going to look at my finances differently, right? When I'm approaching my finances, if, if God doesn't exist, then it's going to make total sense to use my money for whatever I want to do with it. And to, and to go up, kind of spend every dollar on my own needs and propelling my own desires and wishes. Maybe I'll tip God if I'm part of a church and say, hey, you know, thanks for doing the service, Grace Church. If I am embracing godly wisdom, I'm going to recognize that all my gifts and all of my abilities and all my opportunities are a gift from God, that He's the one that gives me the ability to produce wealth, Scripture would say. And so now, I recognize that Jesus has done it in my life, so now I give back to God as a thank you for what He has done for me, trusting that He'll continue to provide for my needs, even though it doesn't quite make sense at the surface. Right? Godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. Some of a selfish ambition. If, if worldly wisdom is true, I'm going to approach it, I'm going to be cutthroat, I'm going to get what's mine, I'm going to climb the ladder as fast and as ruthlessly as possible, regardless of who it affects or who it hurts. I'm going to drive to make my name and my fame great. If godly wisdom is true, if God is real and eternity exists, I don't need to, to do that. I don't have the pressure to do that. It's not going to give me what I want. Why? I get to share in the name of Jesus, who is the name above all names. I get to share in His glory, Scripture would say. So now I can live for love, and I can live to maximize the kingdom. Two totally different approaches to life, right? So I want to choose the right wisdom, Worldly wisdom, I want to let it fall away. It'll lead me to only pain and ruin. Godly wisdom will lead me to life. When I lock into godly wisdom, when I find the right wisdom, what happens is it'll pretty quickly clarify the kinds of people I'll run to for godly counsel, right? If I want this kind of wisdom, I'm going to run to the people that live this kind of life. We all know, right, we, we know if we want to hear back, if we're struggling in our marriage, if we're looking to hear the kind of wisdom that says, you know what, you can just leave him, leave your husband, right? You're frustrated, get yours. And got, by the way, guys, that makes sense if there is no God. If it makes sense, right, you should live to be happy if there is no God. You, sh you should do whatever. If there's a God, I'm going to approach marriage very differently. So I'm going to run to the people that are going to push me back towards my spouse and help me to work it out. We all know people that will point us to worldly wisdom, but if I want godly wisdom, i got to run towards the right people, and I want to find those people. Here's one fascinating passage. Scripture is loaded with truth about how to embrace godly counsel. One of the verses that shows up is this, Proverbs 15, verse 22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. What's going to make my plans successful? Right? Putting wise counsel around them and getting perspectives that I can't see on my own. Proverbs eleven fourteen: for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. At a corporate level, at a business level, at a national level, if I'm a leader, I want to gain counsel and wisdom and insight 
to make my plans successful. I need that guidance. For by wise guidance, Proverbs 24, 6, you will wage war, and in an abundance of counselors, there's victory. And the Proverbs writer is assuming, when we talk about advisors or guidance, that we're talking about people that are embracing godly wisdom, that kind of wisdom. So you say, Ryan, what do we do? When I find the right people, what does that look like? Here's what I think we need to do. I think, I think we need to build our own wisdom team. I want to build our own wisdom team. We're going to build our own group of advisors and counselors and people around us that can speak into our decision-making when we come to that fork in the road. I want to build our own wisdom team. And to help us understand this concept a little bit, I brought some friends with me. I brought Hulk with me. Okay, so Hulk is uh, looking to make a big decision, right? Hulk is so mad. Hulk is just always mad. Grr, I'm so mad. I'm Hulk. And Hulk is so mad that he's come to a place where he doesn't want to be with Marvel anymore, right? He's frustrated with his job situation because he's so mad. I'm Hulk. I'm mad. Now, Superman, Superman is smart. And so Superman has heard about the disgruntled nature that Hulk has come into. He heard that Hulk is mad, and so Superman is inviting Hulk to come over to D.C., right? And he's like, Hulk, your life will be better. You won't be angry anymore, man. It's going to be amazing. Come over to our team. And he's recruiting him. Now Hulk has a job offer on the table. Should I leave Marvel and go to D.C., or should I stay here and be so mad, right? That's, that's the decision at hand, right? So here's Superman. Superman is tempting him with this great offer. Stand up, Superman. What's your problem? Here we go, right? Superman's tempting him with this great offer. Hulk's got a decision to make. What's Hulk going to do? So here's what Hulk does. Hulk is going to lean into his wisdom team, and here's going to be his wisdom team, right? He, he's going to lean into his spouse, who for the sake of this conversation is Wonder Woman, right? <laughs> and some of you nerds out there are like, you can't marry across DC and Marvel, right? You can't mix them. Settle down, friends. It's going to be okay, right? He's going to look at his wife, Wonder Woman, and be like, Wonder Woman, what should I do? Should I leave Marvel and go to DC? And she says, well, honey, you need to consider the welfare of our Wonder Hulk children, right? Like, what's going to happen to them if you change jobs? He's like, I've never thought about that. Ooh, I'm so mad, right? So, like, <laughs> here's the thing. He's going he's gonna to put Wolverine, his good buddy Wolverine's going to go into the equation. He's going to give him counsel and feedback and help him out. And then he's going to put Batman in, into his wisdom team. Batman's going to be his life group leader. Right? That's right. And uh, Batman is, he's going to look at Hulk and say, hey, Hulk, man, before you make a decision about th this whole thing, read your Bible, right? Because that's how Batman talks. He's going to say that first. <laughs> that was really good, wasn't it? He's also going to go, 
Hey, hey, weren't we just talking about how you were like building some relationships with your coworkers and you thought you were, you were getting to a place that you're about ready to share your, your Hulk faith with them? Weren't you getting there? Maybe you shouldn't change jobs just yet, Hulk, right? He's going to give him some wisdom because he's, he's Batman, right? And in Breakfast with Batman, your life group leader, man, that's good stuff, right? And then he's going to go to, to Wolverine. He's going to have breakfast with, with Wolverine, and he's going to say, Wolverine, what do you think I should do? Wolverine knows Hulk, and he knows Hulk is so mad, right? Because Hulk's always so mad. And Wolverine's going to look at him and say, hey, Hulk, have you considered that maybe this job offer re really isn't the problem? Maybe your problem is that you have, ready, an anger problem, right? And, and Hulk's going to respond. How's he going to respond to that? Hulk smash, right? Like, <laughs> there's Superman, right? The offer's off the table. <laughs> Love it. So this is how it works, right? We build our wisdom team. And, and when we have people around us that they can give us insight and wisdom that we can never get on our own. At the end of the day, one person can never see as much or as far or as deeply as three or four people can see. And here's the thing. If I actually want wisdom, I'm going to put myself into a situation where I cannot fail. Here's the test. If I just want to do what I want to do, forget that. Right? I'm just going to do my own thing. Right? I'm putting the wood stove in. I'm doing it. If I want wisdom, I'm going to put myself into a situation where other people can feed into my life, the right people, the right wisdom, and they can give me advice. Now, here's the hard part. When I put myself in this situation, I got to be ready to receive their feedback. I got to find the right heart. I got to find the right heart because probably they're going to give me feedback and insight into my blind spots, things that I have not considered or thought through. And so I got to find the right heart to be ready to receive whatever it is my wisdom team is going to say to me. Let me give you some Proverbs on this. It's fascinating. Proverbs 19 verse 20 says this, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Listen to advice, accept discipline, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. When I put myself into a situation where I'm asking for counsel, by the very nature of doing that, I am saying I don't have all the answers. I don't have it figured out. I don't feel wise when I do that. I feel young. I, f I feel needy. I feel like I need someone else to help me in ways that I can't help myself. But here's what I said. If you do that as a, a lifetime practice, if you put yourself in a situation where people can give you advice and discipline and counsel, you will be counted eventually among the wise, where you will be feeding into other people and giving them wisdom, and you will be able to share in that as well. Consistent, great decisions being made puts us into that place. Right, listen to advice, accept wisdom. At the end, you'll be counted among the wise. Listen to this next one. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. This is huge. This is huge. When I'm in a situation and I want to do it, I want to go the way I want to go, it seems right. Man, it feels right. And I've been in a lot of situations like this. There's a situation where I'm trying to pick a house to buy. 
right? And I'm in that, and I want it, I start to lock into it. And then there's wise counsel around me that will pull me back and say, have you considered this? Have you thought through this issue, right? And I'll stop, and it saved me from making bad decisions. I've been in a place in the past where I've thought about leaving Grace Church, wonder, is there something different or better I should go to? People, wise counselors around me, thank God, called me back and said, have you, have you thought through this all the way? Save me from making terrible decisions. In the moment, worldly wisdom sounds brilliant. Makes all the sense in the world. That rationale, right? But the wise listen to advice. This is huge. We want to recognize when our hearts are in a place when I'm not really ready to listen. I just want to do what I want to do. I got to stop own it, and receive the counsel that people are trying to give me. Here's the last one, Proverbs 13.10. For where there is strife, there's pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Where there is strife, there's pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. More than anything else, this process in getting wisdom like this takes humility. Right? And if I had to narrow it down and say, well, what's the number one roadblock to receiving wise counsel, here's what it is. Number one roadblock to receiving wise counsel is pride. It's pride. It's I want what I want. I know what's best. I don't need any help. I'm going to push it forward. I, I'm not going to, I don't want to slow down. None of that. It takes humility to say, I don't have all the answers. Somebody help me. I need a wisdom team. It takes humility to reach out and invite people into our lives, my life group leader, my friend, my spouse even, right, and surround myself with those perspectives. It takes a ton of humility to look and to say, I'm going to receive the feedback that you're going to give me. Right? When you push on my character and you bring up that issue and you talk about that trend in my life, ooh, it hurts. You're right. Scripture would say, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Oh, a friend that will tell me the truth is like gold. If you have someone in your life right now that would tell you the truth, treasure that person. They're like, if they'll lean into your character and challenge your decision-making and put a new perspective into your life and risk some of the relationship, that is massive. And we got to ask ourselves, do I have the maturity? Do I have the humility to receive advice, receive feedback? And to say, I really do want wisdom. Right? I want to be in the best place I can possibly be. Right? When my desire for wisdom over, kind of supersedes right, my desire for my pride, I'm on the right path. Here's how this works. When I find the right wisdom and the right people, when I find the right heart, I'm on the path to the right decisions. That's how this thing works. This strata of finding wisdom works like this, right? When I find the right wisdom and the right people and the right heart, I'm on the path to the right decisions. And you might say, Ryan, where do we go from here? How do I move forward in seeking wise counsel? Great question. Here's kind of how we might move forward. I encourage you to think through how you might build your wisdom team. And many of you, as even as I was talking about Batman and Wolverine, you're like, I got one of those. 
I, I've got a friend I could go to. I've got a life group leader I could go to. If I actually utilized that relationship, I would totally have access to that wisdom. You're on, the, you're on your way. You're on the path. It's simply a matter of reaching out and inviting those people into our lives. I realize some of us are here, and maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've just started coming to Grace in the last couple of weeks. And you're like, I don't even really know what's going on yet. Who are you? You're playing with Hulk. That's weird, right? It's fine. You're saying, what do I do? How, how do I build my wisdom team? I don't even know anybody that knows Jesus. Well, what's my path? What I would say is, first of all, thank you for being here. You're on your way, right? And then I would encourage you over time to find your way into a life group. A life group is a, a small group of people that are committed to helping each other follow Christ, right? helping each other move towards godly wisdom. And as you do that, you'll find friendship, you'll find spiritual leadership, and you'll find a wisdom team that you can build into and lock into. But hear me, if you're here and uh, you really don't have anybody to go to today and you need to make a decision, if that's where you are, and you're like, Ryan, I got a deadline coming, I don't have anybody to talk to, listen, let us know, let us know in that connection card Myself or someone from the staff will sit down with you and will help you figure it out ASAP, okay? And don't try to figure it out on your own. It's huge. And then over time, we would encourage you to build that wisdom team. Right? Here's the thing. Pastor Jeff and I, listen for the rest of us, Pastor Jeff and I, we can't be your only people on your wisdom team. I got to lean into others. I got to find friendships and I got to find a life group, a life group leader. That's a big reason that we have them. If you're brand new, we'll help you get started and let's make our way to filling the rest of that team out. And guys, I know even as I'm talking through this conversation, there's a, there's a lot of us, maybe all of us, that are thinking, I've made some bad decisions. I wish I would have heard this conversation five years ago. Mm. 10 years ago, before we got divorced or before I pulled the trigger on that. And, but, oh, if I could go back, right? There's a, there's a bunch of us that would feel that. Hear me. We cannot, we all know this, we can't undo the ramifications of bad decisions. We have to live with those consequences. But you do not have to live with the guilt of those decisions, one of the reasons that Jesus came and died for you and for me is to remove our shame and our guilt. Don't beat yourself up. Don't look back and say, I should have, I could have, and if I, right, the past is in the past. Take responsibility for it, own it, admit it, be an adult, and then, listen, receive forgiveness for it. If it's a bad decision, call it what it was, and then move forward. Please, do not beat yourself up if you have made decisions that you regret. We all have. I want to move forward into the future with wisdom. Start with a clean slate and begin to move forward. As then for all of us, if I've made bad decisions in the past, if I'm in a place where I'm looking to make decisions now, if I'm thinking about building my wisdom team and reaching out for help, for all of us, this takes humility, no matter what. I have to humble myself and say, I need help, or I messed it up, 
or I don't have all the answers. And that, my friends, it's the path to wisdom. And God lays that out for us so that I start to know what to do when I don't know what to do. More and more. As I lean into the people and the resources and the leaders that God has put into my life. We want to start there. Humbling ourselves, recognizing that my future is in God's hands, my past is in God's hands, responding to the offer for wisdom that he makes in my life today. Can we do that together? I have the band come out. I want to pray for us, and I'll wrap up our time. Father, we want to just pause here for a moment recognize that we can't go back and you know, we, we can't undo it. That you know and you see and you forgive. Give us, God, give us the grace to receive that forgiveness for individual decisions that we would look back on today and say that was a bad one. Lord, we're sorry for wanting our own way and missing out on your wisdom. And God, give us the grace now to take advantage of the the resources you've placed around us, the people that would long to speak into our lives out of love, not out of judgment or condescension, but out of a genuine concern for us. Lord, just like you have, Lord, you're a good father. You want what's best for us. You gave us your word and taught us to pray and you put people in our lives. God, give us the courage to trust each other, to open up our hearts. And most of all, Lord, give us a desire to be people of wisdom, to want what you want and to follow after your heart with all we have. Lord, meet us here even now.